the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS. My thanks again to Dwayne Peterson for joining us on the program. He has been living on the streets for the past couple of years since he was in the beloved community village, tiny home, micro community. He has said to me, and I quote, He expressed these sentiments, but I quote from my column yesterday in the Denver Gazette, Denver micro-community, a nightmare for Dwayne Peterson. Quote, it was a blizzard the day I left, beloved community village, this micro-community. I think it was minus six degrees. I feel safer in this weather than I did at beloved. I left because I did not feel safe. Some powerful sentiments coming from Dwayne Peterson. But it's a very complicated issue. There are so many different facets to this. My big issue with it, more than anything, is you're not engaging in sobriety requirements. That is literally an intentional aspect to Mayor Johnston's House 1000 plan no sobriety requirement no screening requirements that is in peterson's words i agree enabling it is subsidizing bad behavior we're not seeing happen what should happen in that regard and that is to me very concerning and uh, there should be requirements on there. I mean, here's here's the reality. We'll get to the phones here, 303-696-1971. For the people who, unlike Peterson, have serious debilitating mental health issues or have drug addiction, the idea that they can, that they should be able to just do whatever they want as far as encampments, the streets or tiny whatever tiny homes, whatever it is, and continue engaging in that behavior, potentially putting others at risk and themselves at risk without being able to have the wherewithal necessarily to, to say you have somebody with schizophrenia living on the street. They're not able to, to calculate, oh, I need to go get help, and here's how I'm going to go do it. There needs to be not just services provided, but a discussion about do we have requirements? Do we have that sort of tough love? Because the ACLU has said, look, you are violating civil rights if you're forcing people, sweeping them up, doing homeless sweeps. And then you're saying, well, we want you to do this program or that program and we're going to require you to do it. But at the same time, aren't those people hurting themselves and others? Isn't is, is there a, a role for government to step in and say, we are requiring you to live in this community to get this treatment and improve your situation? Is, is that appropriate? 
I think it's a discussion that we really need to have and off air. Dwayne Peterson even uh, expressed agreement with those sentiments. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Gina in Aurora. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. Um, yeah, I'm just calling. I just kind of wanted to uh, talk about the situation. And, you know, I have a niece who is um, just a few credits shy of her master's degree, um, who's homeless. She's mentally ill and a drug addict. Um, fentanyl is her drug of choice. She was out on the streets living in a tent and got moved to the Best Western um, shelter a few months back. And I just want you to know there is, it is like a free-for-all. It's like the Wild West there. I mean, everyone still, you know, she still does her drugs. There's no um, push to get these people sober. And in fact, um, the workers at these shelters, incur- I don't know if they're encouraging the um, the homeless that live there to, um, or their clients, I don't know what they call them, to steal, but my niece steals. And then she sells stuff to the people that work at these shelters. And okay. it's like, we wow. need treatment. She needs treatment for her mental illness and so, she needs treatment for her drug addiction. To the point that I was just saying then, do you think that there should be a requirement, whether you're, you're invited to the hotel and told you have a sobriety requirement and you need to get through this treatment program, or it's we are forcing you to get off the street to go into this community and get this kind of treatment. Do you think that's appropriate? Oh, I think it's totally appropriate. And I think these people should be, you know, screened and and tested on the regular. Yeah, you know what? I think there's so much truth to that, especially because if you are provided with shelter in a hotel or in a tiny home, whatever it is, and you're given that opportunity and it's at least a little bit better in terms of a living environment, uh, although, of course, our guest Dwayne Peterson suggests that it was not safe and so he didn't want to remain there. But as far as you know, the comforts, it, it would seem to be at least a little bit more comfortable to be in a hotel or a tiny room, but when uh, t- yeah. tiny home. But at the same time, if that's being provided to you and then you're allowed to continue indulging in bad behavior or you're not getting the assistance and services that you need, really need, then what good does that do anybody? Right, right. And, and I just want to make it clear, you know, I have offered my home to her. She's, she'll come for a couple days, and then she takes off again. So it's not like we've completely turned our backs on her. Um, I even help her out financially, and I know that's probably not the best thing to do. But you know, it, it's tough it's, when it, when it's family. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I, I can has, understand. Dad, her father's dad, and really all she has is myself and my my other sister. So. Mm. Uh, Gina, I, I want to get your reaction, since I have you, to an email that came in from Linda in Denver. It's a lengthy email, so bear with me. Um, and I'm quoting again, Linda in Denver emailing this in. Regarding your homeless guest this morning, it seems to me that any discussion of that subject or solution leads to, quote, it's not good enough. We have shelters, but they aren't good enough because you can't always bring your dog or stay with your partner or stay there all day and your stuff gets stolen. So tense. Then we spend lots of money to put people in hotels and tiny home villages, but that's not good enough either. Some of the hotels are really nice and people might 
uh, want to stay, but the homeless eventually get kicked out because the hotel wants their property back so they can return to their business model. So tense. Other hotels aren't very nice and tiny homes are just not enough because the rooms are too small. You can bring your dog and your partner, but you don't feel safe and your stuff is still at risk for being stolen and they don't have the services you say you want. It's just not enough. Now your guy on today, that would be Dwayne Peterson, seems to want the city to buy him whole housing even by condemning the property of others to do it. I don't know about that. I don't think that was the case. Um, But would that be enough? It's the homeless industrial complex, the totalitarian utopian's endless mission to save the poor and downtrodden. The advocates and nonprofits get paid. The homeless get a room or a program. But will that ever be enough? And just to note, uh, I don't know if he addressed it or used the term in our interview, but Dwayne Peterson is fond of actually saying it's the homeless industrial complex. Uh, Gina, what do you take away from that email from Linda? Wow, that was a lot. I know it was. Um, I told you it was long. <laughs> um, well, I'm not really sure. Um, it, it's it's about the, the, the premise basically is it's never enough from the shelters to the tiny homes to the hotels to whatever it is. It's never enough for the people who reside in these communities or who are down down in the streets. Well, it, it probably won't be enough for those people that are in that situation, first off, most of them are mentally ill. And so, you know, they're out there, they just, they want what they can get. They're very manipulative. They're, um, they're not, not healthy people in the brain, you know, especially in their minds. Um, And then you do the drugs on top of it. Of course you, you know, you just want more and more and more. And I didn't take that Dwayne Peterson had any of those issues. And I didn't really take one a handout. I think he wants affordable housing. That That is what it really comes down to. And he's wanted more help with being rehoused. And I think he's working on getting disability pay and, and these these different things now, especially because he's, he's turning 60 next month uh, to, to demonstrate income and so forth and be able to, to get into housing assistance programs and whatnot. But the, one of the, one of the things is that a lot of times a guy like Dwayne Peterson isn't eligible for the assistance because for certain assistance because he isn't a drug addict. He doesn't have a serious uh, mental illness or some of these other boxes. He may be black, but that doesn't mean that the the requirements say, you know, fit in for some of these uh, assistance programs and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with that sentiment. I think he's he's fundamentally about housing here, especially when he's saying you shouldn't be enabling this bad behavior. You need to have some of these requirements to say, okay, we want to make sure that we're screening you. We're doing background checks. We want to make sure that you are undergoing treatment uh, towards sobriety and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he, it's like comparing apples and oranges. You know, he's, he's somebody that should not be on the street and someone that should be getting some kind of help. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I do have to say, Linda makes a great point at the end. It's the homeless industrial complex, the totalitarian utopians, endless mission to save the poor and downtrodden. The advocates and nonprofits get paid. 
The homeless get a room or a program, but will that ever be enough? So set aside the never-be-enough piece and just look at the fact that you have these organizations and these entities that are constantly supposedly addressing homelessness, and yet they never seem to actually accomplish it. Think about Mayor John Hickenlooper, then Mayor uh, Michael Hancock, and now Mayor Mike Johnston, and they've all pledged to eradicate homelessness, to do this and that, and then they either completely drop the ball or they do something like Johnston that there's a real question as to the efficacy. Is this actually working? Is this doing the job? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just think people need to um, start voting with their brains and mm. not so much their – I mean, uh, some of these people would cut off their nose to spite their own face. Mm. And that's what I see the city of Denver. I see the, the citizens of Denver have done. Yeah, I think that's well put. Hey, Gina, appreciate the call. Thank you very much, and best wishes for your niece. Thank you very much. Thank you. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. is In simple terms, I asked Wayne Peterson, how does he define homeless industrial complex? And he said, quote, just text me just now, policies that ensure the maintenance of houselessness. So that is to say... You have policies in place that actually encourage people not to have housing. And you know what? I think there's a lot of truth in that statement because if you have somebody who is facing serious drug addiction and doesn't want to get off the drugs or alcohol, you have somebody who's got a seriously debilitating mental health issue and they're unwilling or unable to determine or to say, uh, yeah, I want help. And then to know how to get access to that help. If that's the case, then these policies that say you can come into a tiny home, you can come in a hotel, whatever, and we're not going to ask these questions. We're not going to set up these requirements. All of those things then you are maintaining homelessness. You are really uh, enabling that behavior through the policies. I think he's got a really good point. Uh, let's get to a couple of texts here via the 710K US app on your smartphone. Mark in Weld County. Good morning, Jimmy. Do you think it's possible for the public to go to the tiny town and the hotels to observe what's going on? You know, that's an interesting question. I'm not sure if that is the case. Um, probably something that could be inquired to the city and see, but I, I don't know. I have no clue. Then you've got Carol in Golden texting in. There seems to be a passivity and lack of motivation in society in general to be responsible for oneself. Coupled with substance abuse and disconnect from family of origin, this is resulting in homeless people that are simply looking for how to survive at the lowest possible cost and effort as long as the substance of choice is available. Meanwhile, lawmakers extort us and also the federal government to step exhort us, not extort, exhort us, and also the federal government to step up and provide for their living expenses. This is not a long-term solution. Some really good points right there, and some other good points from Joyce in Aurora. 
Can you imagine being a person that has decided to get clean in one of those communities, knowing that so many around you are getting high? I bet the relapse rate is ridiculously high. That's one of the key points. That's a great observation. If you say, we're going to put you in a tidy home community, and we're going to mix drug addicts with serious mental illness, with people who are like Dwayne Peterson, who have health issues and financial issues that make it uh, impossible for him to afford housing in the ever more expensive environment we live in. And you mix all those people together, and there are some people who are like, I've gone sober and I'm trying to do my best. Then there's that influence around you. It's not just unsafe in, in regards to somebody might want to steal or threaten you or what have you, but it can also be utterly unsafe in the sense that you may be influenced to go back into it to relapse. That's a good point, Joyce. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Brian in Arvada. Good morning, Brian. Hey, good morning. You know, this has been a problem. I'm a native. Jimmy, I've been here my whole life. And I've seen Denver just Denver in decay is basically, you know, uh, what it's been. And this problem is that Democrat created, I think, because they allow this stuff. And, you know, they kind of treat it like how they do minority issues. You know, they don't really want to help people. They want to keep them down so that they can control them or that they need them. And these policies, Mike Johnson, I mean, okay, he's all right, but... I think he's well. Let me be clear about something just real quick because you mentioned I think he's all right. I think Mike Johnston is a good guy and he's well intentioned. But we know that the road to hell is often paved by good intentions. That's a good that's a good saying. And Hickenlooper got us in this mess. And uh, and then we voted for him to go to the Senate. You know, so Denver, I feel bad for them. uh, People in Denver. They get what they deserve if they're going to vote for these people. But, Jimmy, there's got to be a way. I mean, look at Step Denver. That's a great program. we got to discriminate between the people that want help, the people that don't want help, and the people that can't be helped because they have mental health. And then we start segregating it that way and, and get, I mean, this problem solvable. It, we're, this is America, for God's sake. We, we can solve these issues. Democrats don't want to solve these issues. They want to keep people down. There, I mean, there's tons of land over by DIA. Why can't we have these? Why do they have to be in Inglewood, where, where I work? There's a there's a mini home camp in Inglewood now. And the people around there are, like, freaking out. And I'm like, right. The target there, they're freaking out. Yeah. Everyone around there is freaking out. And it's like, because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the crime's going to be crazy. People's cars are already being broken. Property values. Not saying it's the homeless people. Property values tanking when Inglewood was on the rise. The you know the the west side of Inglewood, which is more of a lower income, there there those little bungalows were on the rise to go up. You drop one of these around there, who's going to want to live around there? Yeah. So we're all we're all suffering. How how many billion or million dollars are going to Denver? Thirty six million now have gone to Denver for homeless. Yeah, this isn't 45. getting any better. Can't we segregate Jimmy and put them out somewhere out east? Not, not you know, uh, and and get them the help they need. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why nobody's talking about mental health. People who don't want help, can't we have like a homeless jail? I mean, I, I know that sounds bad, but the people that don't want help, can't we have like a homeless jail out there? Like, it doesn't have to be in our communities. We've got lots of land. We annex land for apartment homes. Like going up sure. all over the place. Sure. Why, why don't we annex some land for these? 
people. I want to help them, but the people that don't want help, they got to go. Some some fair points there in terms of how we need to look at this big picture. And I think you're right. All too often, Democrat policies are em- en- enabling, they are emboldening, they are creating dependence. And for many, that is the actual intention. That's for sure. Brian, I appreciate the call. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Happy to continue this conversation, but there's another topic I want to hit on in the next segment. Give us a call on this if you're interested. 303-696-1971. You can text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to text in, please. And that is the potential for third-party candidates like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or the uh, No Labels Party, to gain traction in a race between, that looks increasingly likely, between Joe Biden running for re-election and Donald Trump, who's sort of like an incumbent president from the perspective of many Republicans. What do you think about that? Uh, But first, I did get a text uh, because I I put something on social media and uh, Jason and Lyman texted just as we were going live. Thanks for helping us navigate Rhino Watch Colorado, Mr. Butter. So a quick word as we go to break on the Jimmy Sangenberger show from Butters. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. There are 54 tiny... Who's the boy that can laugh in a storm cloud, turn a frown into a smile for free? Who's the kid with a heart full of magic? Everyone knows it's Butters. That's me. A local web designer analyzed rhinowatchco.com, and based on the score, it definitely mimics a Yahoo GeoCities website circa 2002. Spare yourself the headache. Tune in Saturday mornings to hear Jimmy Butter Sangenberger from 7 to 10 on 710 KNUS. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. Who's the boy that can laugh in a storm cloud, turn a frown into a smile for free? Who's the kid with a heart full of magic? Everyone knows it's Butter. That's me. Rockin' and rolling back. Bottom of the hour, 931 is the time. News Talk 710 KNUS. Joe Bonamassa bringing us back. Look out, man. Gotta love it. As we continue, 42 set to be the high cloudy, cloudy skies today. As we continue, 710 KNUS. I got one more email I want to read from the topic of regarding the topic of the last really hour and a half, which is homelessness. Uh, Connie emailing into the program. I keep hearing everyone, one thing, number one, I keep hearing everyone say that the majority of homeless are mentally ill. I have never heard statistics on that. Do you have any? I don't. I don't know how true or how you can assess exactly Um, I think that there's a large prevalence of that, but you also have significant issues of drug addiction. You do have, especially when it comes to families, there's a tendency for it to be financial issues. Like that's the crux of the matter for a lot of the families. So I think think it varies. I'm not sure uh, how that breaks down, but those are certainly some of the key reasons for this. Number two from Connie. Long before any of the con- this controversy, I had a much older cousin who became schizophrenic at age 40, which is unusual. She had been a college professor as a career. 
as was her brother, as was her sister-in-law. She began acting oddly and ended up losing her position as a professor and living on the streets. Her brother later told me that he and his wife nearly bankrupted themselves trying to save her. They eventually realized that she did not want the help and let go. That's so sad. He would go into the main town in Indiana where they'd lived once a month. If she needed clothing or blankets or medical attention, he would be certain she got it. I asked him if she knew who he was. He said that she knew him in the sense that he was someone who would help her, not harm her. But he said, quote, as to any familial recognition, there is none. Connie continues with this powerful email. There are people who can't be helped. And she was sadly an example. I don't understand why the mayor, feel, feel, mayor feels he can get all homeless people off the street. Or maybe that's just politics. Good program. I'm going to be telling people to listen to your podcast and uh kind words as well from connie i appreciate it so uh, there are some people who it's i I don't know can't be helped it's they don't want to be helped or don't realize that they can be helped the the only way that the lady in this story could get help that is needed is if she was forced by the government to get it and that's a tough call that's the real question Is there a willingness to say you need help because you're schizophrenic or you are so far gone in your drug addiction and we're going to force it upon you? Is that acceptable? Is that okay? That, I think, is the crux of the question. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Getting low on time, but there's a topic I really wanted to hit on because I find it very interesting what's happening as things unfold here. It does become increasingly seems increasingly likely that Donald Trump will end up being the Republican nominee. I think you see what happens in New Hampshire and South Carolina, and that will crystallize it. And, of course, we've got New Hampshire coming up on Tuesday. But it is striking to see the polling data that shows that the American people do not want a rematch of Trump versus Biden, even though... Republicans and Democrats, respectively, seem likely to give that matchup. And there are a lot of different polls and there's polling data that's been out there showing that widely people are like, we don't want this sort of rematch. Quite frankly, I don't want that rematch. I think there's fresh blood, frankly, in both parties. Um And that would be nice to see a new generation coming up and getting a chance to run for president this go around and not having the same sort of retreads of 2020 trotted back out there to run again. Just broadly speaking about the that sort of aspect. But here's a question. Could a third party contender make a real impact, if not have a chance at winning? Look at Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He was running as a Democrat. Things didn't work out there for him. The The party was making it impossible for any sort of run to happen. He's running, and now there's polls that show him as much as 21% 
of people saying I'd vote for him. You've got this no labels party that has uh, moderate Republicans and Democrats saying we should put up a candidate regardless of their party and say this is our party's candidate. And they're struggling to get on the ballot. And they're actually Democrats are trying to prevent them from getting onto the ballot in a number of these states. There are lawsuits now happening from no labels saying we're pushing back. Well, James Carville, of course, is the uh, one of the masterminds behind Bill Clinton's victories way back in the 1990s, was on a podcast called Political War Room, I think. And he said, look, there really is third party potential here in this election. You know, two to one, that, that's, a, that, that's 66 and two thirds to 33 and yeah. a third, roughly. Man, you know, 33 and a third of your own party is a pretty freaking big number. I mean, it, it, you you can look at it one of two ways. You know, you, you can look at it, and I mean, it's, but it, to, our, to our listeners, uh, viewers, you, you can look at it, he got, he won by 30, or you can look at it, he was won over 50. All right. You can say, well, gee, by two to one, they believe this. And you go, well, that's an impressive number, but you know, one third, it, it ain't chopped level. Uh, and I mean, there is, there are substantial doubts among more than a sliver of the Republican Party about this guy. And how, of course, there's substantial doubt, to be fair, there's substantial doubts by more than a sliver of the Democratic Party that have their their doubts about President Biden. I, I just, I just hard for me not to see a uninspiring election with the third party doing really well. And he talked a bit about the lots of votes that a third party could get. They're not going to get 3% of the vote. They're going to get a, a shitload more than that. And I may be as Perot was the case in 92. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't matter in the end. It, if he wouldn't, have, if he would have been in there, it would have been the same result. That's pretty much studied to the nth degree. But you don't know. It's, 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 it's a variable that, that we don't exactly know how it's going to turn out. And if it turns out wrong, it's bye-bye. Don't you think it's pretty- yeah. A third party variable could be in play here. One more clip from James Carville on this podcast about comparisons between the Democrats and Republicans. Who's got a stronger base that is more resilient for that candidate, Trump or Biden? But it does seem like Trump's hard vote is more locked in than Biden's hard vote. And it seems that a lot of people that don't like Trump uh, or not a lot, but uh, enough to decide an election that don't like Trump's so Republicans, a lean Republican, that probably be more comfortable voting for some kind of a third party. Yeah. I don't know that, but, but I do. I, I, I'm i not totally sure I'm right, but it, I will say that I do agree with your, your, your conclusion. It does seem pretty clear that among the Republican supporters of Trump, they're stronger. They're more committed than Democrat supporters of Joe Biden. And that's an important reason that helps underscore why you have these efforts in some states to prevent the no labels party from being able to have candidates on the ballot. I mean, the Lincoln Project is fighting hard. Now, the Lincoln Project is ostensibly... A Republican organization, but of course it's devoted to uh, denouncing Trump, going after him full bore, and has been since its founding. That's the objective. But they're so committed there that they say, oh, if you have 
a third-party candidate run, then this actually helps Trump over Biden or hurts Biden more than Trump. And so we want to stop it. We want to thwart it. I don't know how much that's true because, yes, I agree that Trump has a stronger support base that is committed to him than Biden does. But I do think that if you if you had a particular third party candidate that could appeal to people, some respects, some people might be drawn into Ron uh, to RFK Jr. Or some people might let's say you have Nikki Haley. This is a name being tossed about. She doesn't get the Republican nomination. She gets the no labels party nomination. Okay, so are there Republicans who peel off and vote for her instead, pulling away from Trump enough to to help? I mean, I don't think Nikki Haley or RFK Jr. is going to pull for many Democrats. So I think that sort of counterbalances the idea of a strong, fervent Trump base is that on the Democrat side, the, the third party candidates may not really appeal to those Democrats to everyday Democrats in a way that they might appeal to some disaffected Republicans who don't want Trump to be the president. Now, I don't know how this will all play out, but I think it's an interesting and worthwhile thing to consider that you could have a third party presidential candidate have an impact that we haven't seen in a century or at least since you had Ralph Nader in 2000 or Ross Perot in 1992 and how that ends up actually impacting me 92 Perot hurt the Republican George H.W. Bush 2000 Ralph Nader many ascribe the the reason why Bush won Florida Gore lost it to Ralph Nader and saying Nader pulled enough of those votes away from Gore to throw it to Bush of course he had the whole Supreme Court case but in terms of those vote totals so the third party issue is not something to scoff at. I think James Carville's right in that analysis saying, look, you could have a lot of votes. It ain't chopped liver, he said, when it comes to this prospect. And I do think that there are enough people across the country who just don't want another Biden-Trump matchup and are tired of this stuff that could have some impact. I don't think it's necessarily going to be uh, enough to get a third party candidate to win. In fact, I think that's unlikely. But could it impact Trump or Biden? Absolutely. It's just a matter of how much. And and if you have two compelling candidates that pull people away from either of them, going to no labels or going to RFK Jr. So it's something to think about, something to consider. And. It could have a a real impact. It will be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. But nevertheless, you've got New Hampshire coming up on Tuesday, and we will see what happens then. It really is the key stand for Nikki Haley if she wants to mount any sort of effort to unseat Trump. But I will say this before we go to our break. Quick piece of perspective from my mind, and that is I think DeSantis... Placing second was the worst thing to happen to Nikki Haley because what it did was it made it so that in her speech she said, well, now it's just me and Trump. But people watching that and going, well, you just lost to DeSantis. You got into third place. How can you make that argument? But she's making that argument. And I think it's harder now because DeSantis is moving ahead. 
into continuing in New Hampshire and maybe into South Carolina, whereas if he plays third, he would have dropped out like Vivek Ramaswamy did. So a tougher road ahead for Nikki Haley. We'll see what happens. Peter Boyles, the man, the myth, the legend, coming up from 10 to 1. He joins us in studio here in just a moment as we wrap up and wind down the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on Newstalk 710 KNUS. You got that bad trouble going on. Gotta love canned heat. Wrap it up and winding down the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Joining the program back next Saturday. Same time, same place with more engaging, intelligent talk. Sang style. Now at our new time, 7 to 10 on 710. The guy who follows yours truly from 10 to 1 is the legend himself, Peter Boyles. He's here in studio with me. Good morning, brother. James, good morning, man. How are you? I am doing just fine. Real quick, I want to get your take. Is this thing Trump's now at this point or... Do you think New Hampshire or South Carolina, there is a chance for Nikki Haley to unseat him? I was listening to you riding in, and I want to say one thing. James Carville is potentially the worst human being in a political scene in America today. (laughs) He's unforgivable. Fair. So quoting Carville was like... Yeah, no, that's fair, except he he had... I think he had... An accurate take to say these third-party candidates, we won't have a a bull moose. We were just talking that brought Woodrow Wilson in because Teddy Roosevelt ran as the bull moose candidate. But I do think that if it's Trump-Biden, you could see these third-party candidates Um, take some votes. I don't mean they have a chance to win, but they could take some votes and influence. But I heard you say that, but who do you think – who would take from Trump? I think for some of the people who are very much on the vaccine stuff these days is um, RFK. Uh, RFK. And I do think if you had no labels, pull in Nikki Haley, you could have some Republicans who were like, I don't want to do this, this uh, uh, Trump thing again. The country so divided. Um, I don't think it's it's necessarily substantial, but it could have an impact. I, I think one of the things that I, perhaps will happen is that uh, – Joe Biden will do a Lyndon Johnson sometime in the first part of spring yes. and just say, I'm out. I'm out. Convention, take it. And they, I think they, so, too. They, they find a par- place to park Kamala like the head of an Ivy League school would be a perfect place for her. But that wouldn't happen for Trump. And the question is, no, does Trump, would not. Is, is this Trump's nomination now to lose? Is it well, almost certain that he's the guy? At this point, you have got to say, yeah. I mean, at this point, you have to say yes. Yeah. But it's a long way between. It's a long way to Tripperary. I do think that New Hampshire, South Carolina, could have an impact to make it a bit of a horse race. But the question is how much that could actually yeah, be. I mean, Nikki Haley. I, I don't know what you do with Nikki Haley. Uh, DeSantis, I thought had a chance, but he is self imploded. When you find out his own staff doesn't like him, no. you know he, he's run a, a terrible campaign. Oh, horrible. So it's like Jeb I, Jim, 2.0. I don't know. I mean, I it's a jump ball right now. Yeah, and, I I agree. Or a Trump ball yeah, <laughs> right now. No, and he's you know, he's acting out and he's he draws it draws attention and draw he draws to the lightning. Well, we got a minute left. What's coming up on your show today, Peter? Yeah, the Palestinians will be in studio this morning and I've already gotten angry people talking about it without you knowing what they're going to say. Um I want to lead the show with uh, what have we learned? a column that I just put out on uh, U.S. intervention. And there are people I read sitting, we're sitting on the verge of a third world war right now in in the Middle East, in Ukraine. And what have we learned in Southeast Asia? What have we learned with Bush and Cheney? 
what have we learned with these these foreign policy decisions that are just sad? And now we have what we're watching now. And I, I'm 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 frightened of these people. I'm frightened. I don't I don't know if Joe Biden's calling these shots or not. But you and I were talking. Joe Biden. Can you imagine a debate where Joe Biden has to do a series of debates? And if he gets up against somebody like Trump, you talk about the bull moose, mm-hmm. how that would go. Joe Biden would fold. He'd, Nikki Haley yeah. would fold him. Mm-hmm. Or they could dodge altogether and put him back in the basement. No, so, I, yeah. I agree with that. And Trump will be super aggressive. Oh. Haley would. I don't know if they want to debate Trump. And, well, Trump well, certainly does. But well, I don't know that Biden well, will say and, yes and, to and debate. They, they could stay out of it. You're absolutely right. right. They could just stay out of it's it. It's like, you know, you, you see Trump saying, I'm not debating Haley or DeSantis. No. And no. he set up this idea that I am the guy at the top of the stature. Haley's trying to do the no. same thing by saying I'm not debating DeSantis, but it's not going to work in the R- same remember, way. Remember, you don't punch down. You punch up. That's very true. Peter yeah. Boyles, 10 right. to 1. Thanks, brother. Should be a fascinating show. Have a great rest of your weekend. Stay warm. May God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.